Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour three. The BBC is interrupting its normal programs to bring you an important announcement. This is BBC News from London. Buckingham Palace has announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. In a statement, the palace said the Queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. The King and the Queen Consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. BBC Television is broadcasting this special programme reporting the death of Her Majesty the Queen. There it is. Everybody behind him in tears and he breaks down live on air actually is a pretty significant moment in world history um, to have that happen. That was the actual announcement from BBC a short time ago. Uh, this is Eric Erickson. It's my show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Welcome. That's the news of the day, but there is other news out there uh, that we have to consider. Uh, including, well, the market turmoil today. Um, right now, the Dow is up 131 points. This morning, the Dow was tanking. Uh, the headline this morning was that the uh, markets were down because of Jerome Powell's comments about future rate hikes. The headline has been revised now to the Dow gains 100 points as Wall Street looks past Powell's comments signaling future rate hikes. Um, it, it's an actual interesting role reversal. Um, it, this is, uh, let me see if I get back to the beginning of the day. Uh, the, the markets were falling. Uh, yep, here we go. U.S. stocks continue to slide Thursday morning with the Dow dropping more than 200 points as the markets open for as investors digest future rate hikes. Jerome Powell reaffirmed his commitment to combating inflation by aggressive tightening. Uh, history cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy. I can assure you that my colleagues and I are strongly committed to this project and we will keep at it until the job is done, he said at the Cato Institute. That sent the markets careening. Uh, the major averages are off their lows. Uh, the S&P 500 is really down significantly. But by this afternoon, here's how the story was revised at CNBC. The Dow jumped 133 points. The S&P 500 rose 0.43%. NASDAQ up 0.24%. Earlier, the stock slid uh, after Jerome Powell said they're going to continue fighting inflation. The European Central Bank hiked interest rates by 75 basis points or three quarters of a percent in a largely expected move. Later in the morning, stocks rebounded. On Wednesday, the major averages posted their best day since August 10th. Still, stocks remain in a downward trend. Now, why is all this going on? Obviously, inflation is the problem. The question really is, what is stagflation? And the reality of stagflation, something we hear about, is where we have inflation and an economy that's not really growing. From the early 1970s until 1982, if you invested $10,000 in the stock market in 1972, 
roughly, actually, I think it goes back to, to 1968, so 68 to 82. If you invested $10,000 in the stock market in 1968, in 1982, you would have $10,000 in the stock market. There's stagflation in a nutshell for you. Um, the markets don't grow. There's no growth. There is inflation. Wages don't keep up with prices. And part of the problem that you have is as prices go up, people can't buy as much. And as prices go up and people can't buy as much, employers have to raise salaries. And as they raise salaries, they have to raise prices. And you get in the spiral where prices go up, so wages go up, so prices go up, so wages go up until it all collapses or something comes along and and lowers prices. You, you don't want massive deflation. You don't want a depression. A depression is a deflationary event where prices just absolutely collapse. So all of a sudden you have all these workers making five, 10, 15, $20 an hour. Your prices have collapsed so much. Nobody's buying everything. Suddenly uh, your workers have to have massive pay cuts and their quality of life, their income goes down. Even though things are cheaper, people are put out of work. Businesses go out of business. You don't want to have a depression. A depression's not good. But an inflationary event is also bad because people can't keep up with the cost of living. Wages can't keep up with the prices. Now, there are some trend lines that have been encouraging people, but the trend lines are encouraging people because things are bad. Gas prices are going down. Some other prices as well are beginning to collapse. And the whole issue here is the reason energy prices in particular are starting to go down is because the economy is starting to go down. The economy is starting to nosedive. The economy is having real problems. Um, it's, it's a fascinating situation with not a lot of historic parallel except outside of Jimmy Carter. And I'm kind of loath to constantly use the Jimmy Carter comparison in large part because uh, everybody wants to use the Jimmy Carter comparison. And I don't know that it is the, the, the smartest thing to do because it, it kind of glosses over that there are some real fundamental differences between the two periods of time. It's a very cheap way of saying Biden's economy sucks, and we should all acknowledge it. Uh, Joe Biden's economy sucks, uh, and it is the closest parallel is to Jimmy Carter. But there are some fundamental differences between now and then. One of the chief fundamental differences between now and then is we have preemptively begun to raise interest rates. We haven't yet fallen into a recession as there was with Jimmy Carter, but also more importantly, and this is the biggest fundamental difference, is right now we're going through all of this and we have a labor shortage in the country. A lot of people stepped outside the labor market, and you know in the United States, uh, unemployment is only counted based on the people who are looking for jobs and don't have them. Now, I assume most of you know this, but some things need to be reset for people who've either forgotten it or actually haven't heard it yet. In the United States, when you hear the unemployment number, there are two numbers. 
One of those numbers is the number of people actively looking for employment. The other is for people who have stopped looking for employment, plus those who are actively looking for employment. Together, that number is a little higher, but it's still not very high. Once people have stopped looking for work for more than a month, they're considered to have fallen out of the workforce. So you have to look for the labor force participation rate because it's a completely different number. And at this time in this country, our labor force participation rate has gone up a little more, but it's still in the 60th percentile range. What does that mean? It means that there are about 35 to 40% of Americans who could work, who have no interest in working, who are out of the workforce altogether. Some of it is retirements. Some of it is deaths. A lot of it is people who just gave up working. And you can go anywhere in any business sector right now, and you can find that there is a shortage of work. So last night I had dinner with a guy, um, Mr. Lee. I, I don't want to. I don't want to give him a, a full name shout out because I know what it'll do to people's cell phones, um, whether he likes it or not. I, I'll I'll just say Mr. Lee, and those of you who know him will know when I say his job, which I find fascinating. He's one of a, of a handful of people who restores chandeliers, not just clean chandeliers, but restores them, does the rewiring, the electrical, all of that stuff for chandeliers. So now it's it's actually, I'm very interested in, in uh, because I, I really do want to be in a position one day to build a house like I want as opposed to buying a house that someone else built. And I'm more and more fascinated with so much of this and the way, way it, um, the, the little segments and niche markets out there. So this is a guy who restores, cleans, renovates, refurbishes, uh, rewires chandeliers. And he doesn't even advertise because he's got so much business. It's all by word of mouth now. He does a very good job of it. Uh, But what's so interesting to me is he said even he he can't grow his business more than he has right now because he can't find people to work. At the local fast food restaurants, you're seeing signs begging people to come to work. At big businesses around the country, there are people coming to work. I was talking to a guy the other day. Um, I'm I'm hoping by the end of this year, I might be in a position to move into an office building because I'm really ready to just get out of my my bunker all the time and I don't want to drive to the main office all the time. Uh, And I've been looking. I was talking to a guy who owns an office building. He says their hardest job, their hardest thing right now is they can't find security and janitorial work in their building. They're outsourcing their security to a private firm, and that private firm is having a hard time finding people to work, and they're also having a hard time finding just janitorial services for their building. It's in the hospitality sector. It's in the cleaning sector. It's in the the, uh, non-college educated sector. It's even in the college educated sector. There aren't enough people working right now. And that has a lot to do with people during COVID decided to just go on and retire. Some of those people are coming back as as costs have gone up. They got to come back to the market. Listen, uh, when you decided, all right, I'm in a good enough position, screw COVID. I'm not going back to the office. I'm just going to retire now. I'm 55 years old. I got enough money to live on. And then suddenly two years later, uh, your milk goes from $3 a gallon to $5 a gallon. And your beef goes from $3 a pound to $10 a pound. You're like, well, I guess I got to go back to work and make some money because I can't afford to live on retirement anymore. Some of those people are coming back into the workplace, but a lot of them aren't. And so this is why you you and I 
can do a shortcut and say this is like Jimmy Carter's economy, but there's a fundamental difference between the two, and it's somewhere we really haven't been economically in a very long time. In Jimmy Carter's economy, you had a massive workforce participation rate, and a lot of people lost their jobs and struggled to find jobs. Now, we have high inflation, we're headed into a recession, and we're still struggling to find people to meet jobs, so we may go into a recession unlike any we've seen before where there aren't actually a massive amount of layoffs because people can't uh, they're scared to death to lose workers right now it's taken so long to find them i will say this though i didn't get to the story yesterday and it actually came out two days ago the wall street journal did a story on now is the best time to go looking for a new job you could probably find a new job and make more money i was telling you on this program a year and a year and a half ago, that was the time to go out and find a new job. I don't know that right now, contrary to the Wall Street Journal, that it is a good time for you to go on the job hunt and get a new job because we all know a recession is coming. Every single American, 79% of us to be precise, believe a recession is coming in the next six months. The difference may be that people still need workers, but I don't know that I would walk out of my job at this point given the economic circumstances, unless you are have really set yourself up well uh, and you're, you've got a valuable trade set where there's a deficiency in the market and you can go get, make more money elsewhere. But for a lot of people, they don't. And this is the other thing, and I, I've been telling my kids this, and i got to tell you this. You want a job in this country. Listen to me particularly if you're young right now. I don't consider myself particularly old, although... Sometimes I feel it with my kids these days. But if you're in high school and you're listening to me right now, some of you may be, or you're young and you're just out of college, listen to me. You want to know right now in this American economy the secret to getting a job and making a living and earning good money? Show up on time and work hard. If I hear from businesses their number one problem is finding people to work, the number two thing I hear from businesses is that the young people showing up to work have no work ethic. They feel entitled. They don't want to put in the time. If you just show up on time and work hard, you're going to make an incredible career for yourself because there are so many people in their early 20s, their late teens and early 20s right now who are not doing that, who want to bellyache and complain and don't want to put in the sweat equity and don't want to make a living. You'll just set yourself apart by showing up. I was talking to a Chick-fil-A franchise owner the other day who said uh, getting college kids to show up the first day is great. Getting them to show up the second day is exceedingly difficult. The ones who show up the second day tend to have a work ethic and tend to be pushed by their parents to show up and work. Y'all, you just show a basic work ethic these days and you can make a career of it because there are, I'm stunned, but there are so many people out there who are not willing to even show a modicum of having a work ethic right now. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Uh, they do de big deals if you want to be a big deal, $750,000 or more, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Uh, watching all this coverage as um, the emotions in Great Britain overwhelmed. The crowds are swelling at uh, Buckingham Palace. People laying flowers at the gate, also at Balmoral and at Windsor Castle. Um, big story here. The phone number here. 877-973-7425. There's another uh, story that I got to cover here on the economic news. Mortgage rates have jumped 
to 5.89%, the highest level since 2008. Now, I I want to um I I want to talk to you real quick just about this because one of the big stories of the last couple of years since COVID happened is the inability of people to find houses. I think I I told you guys um my wife and I got offered over half a million dollars for our house and I need you to hear that to understand our house is not worth that. There's just no way. Um, the, the taxable assessment of the fair market value says there's just no way um, that our house is, it, it's it's not that big. I mean, yeah, we, we got like a, a slightly less than a half acre of land in, an, in a neighborhood, but our house is not worth that much. Don't think I live in a house worth that much. And yet here comes an offer and it was legit. It actually was like, I thought I was being scammed. It was totally legit. And my neighbor across the street whose house is, is bigger than ours got an even bigger offer. And I was really tempted to take it because our house is not worth that much. Um, And then I started looking. There literally was nothing for sale in our area. Nothing for sale in our area when the offer came in. So I could have taken the offer and been homeless. So we didn't. Um, And at this point now, uh, the number of people buying houses has dramatically plummeted. The collapse of the housing market is staggering to see. People are still building houses, but that's starting to slow down as well. Uh, And I suspect we're going to be in another situation where it's not a mortgage crisis per se, because so many people who bought houses in the last number of years, their mortgage rates are so incredibly low. We refinanced ours and it's ridiculously low. But mortgage rates are creeping back up now. So what I think you're going to have happen is a lot of people are not now going to buy houses. And so the market will correct itself to a degree in that everything will even out. I think one of the things that's going to have to do is that home prices are going to have to come back down to a more realistic level. Um, Because, I mean, if my house, which is not worth that much, is getting that much uh, as an unsolicited offer, then clearly the housing market has gotten out of whack. And if the market has gotten out of whack, the only thing it can do is correct itself. And by having interest rates go up to where they are right now to 5.89%, is something's going to have to happen. Now, I will tell you, there is some speculation that after the Fed raises rates three quarters of a point, if we get into recession, they're going to start lowering things again and people will re-see them. But We've got economically uncharted times, and 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 not to not to beat a dead horse on this, but when you've got very low unemployment and you have a very tight labor market where employers still need people, but you also have inflation and an economic slowdown, it's just not something that's as easy to model as your typical recession in a Jimmy Carter era. Ujuanya is a professor in California, a tenured professor at an ivory tower. Her tweets. I heard the chief monarch of a of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. That wretched woman and her bloodthirsty throne have effed generations of my ancestors on both sides of the family. And she supervised a government that sponsored the genocide of my parents and siblings survived. May she die in agony. That is a tenured professor of uh, black languages and others. 
The real problem for this woman is not her rage at Elizabeth II or the British people, but that the reality is that this woman could not get a job outside of a tenured ivory tower, and she's bitter. Because one of the things that uh, you realize about a lot of people who get gender studies degrees and African-American studies degrees and gay theory study degrees and the like is that they're actually not capable excuse me, of surviving in the private sector in the real world in a real job uh, outside of like a human resources department where they can be uh, empowered dictators spreading misery across corporate America. Uh, And if they can't make it in a human resources department, they have to go to the ivory tower and get tenure as a researcher who grifts off the system. And they get very bitter about it, um, and they can't acknowledge that they uh, made a bad decision in their education, so you and I have to pay off their college degrees and the like. Uh, And uh, then you have to, well, you got to put up with their nonsense. Um, The fun thing is these people tend to reveal themselves as to who they really are on Twitter, bitter, malcontented souls. Now... We will move on to other things. Snap. Snap runs Snapchat. There's a company called i360. I am familiar with them. They are have ties to the Koch Foundation. And i360 has a massive database of voters in this country. Now, here's, let me just explain to you as someone who used to run political campaigns. If you are an NRA member and you subscribe to Field and Stream magazine and you live in the South, who do you think that person votes for? You're an NRA member, subscribe to Field and Stream magazine. And let's say you have a propensity to share things on social media from Fox News. Do you think that person tends to vote Republican or Democrat? Yeah, we both know the answer is Republican. Now, what if you're an NRA member, Field and Stream uh, magazine subscriber, but you also subscribe to People Magazine and have given money to Planned Parenthood? What do you think that person Votes for, well, it's harder to figure that person out. Throws you for a loop that, that they've given to Planned Parenthood, but but what is this? Well, you find out they actually uh, only generally vote in general elections. They don't vote in primaries. That person probably is an independent voter, and so you need to go talk to that person and find out who what their issues are and what they care about. What if it's someone from the North, a Yankee, They're a Planned Parenthood donor. They watch MSNBC, and they subscribe to Vogue magazine. Odds are progressive. Now, you can compile all that consumer research and voter database information into into massive, massive data banks. And you can give people power to sort that information. And you can find out 
Who do I need to focus on? Who are the people who only vote in general elections? They don't vote in primaries. They're kind of a muddied mess. They look like they're progressive because of some of their consumer data. They look like they're conservative because of other bits of their consumer data. How do I know that I can get this person's vote? And there are groups like I360 that specialize in collecting that data. And in specializing to collect that data, I360 only gives it to Republicans. They have built a massive, one of the most massive databases of voters. And if you want to find out who the voters are, who you need to get to vote for you to make the difference, you go to I-360, you can figure out how to target them, what information might persuade them, how to persuade them, where they live, send door knockers to collect information, and it's confidential data, or at least it's supposed to be, which gets us back to Snapchat and Snap. Surprise, people! For reasons I'm not quite fully up on, somehow, Snap, well, actually, I, I do know, as, as I said that, uh, I360 was combining and collecting data through social media channels as well to add to their database, and Snap gave Democratic operators access to the data I360 was collecting. So Democrats have been able to get access to the information that uh, the Coke political shop was collecting through SNAP. Now, they say it was a slip up. It was accidental. I don't know that anyone on the left or the right believes it was actually a slip up. I don't know that anyone actually believes that um, anybody at SNAP just slipped up on this. It was more likely than not intentional and deliberate that they would give this information to Democrats that they were not supposed to give to the Democrats. Now, what I think is even more interesting here is how this always happens and it uniformly benefits the left. These errors have happened across the board from Facebook to Twitter to Snapchat to Google. They always seem to happen and they always seem to benefit the left. You you never hear about these sorts of slip-ups slip-ups and air quotes benefiting the right. And that more and more suggests to me in the pattern of things that it's not a slip-up, it is intentional, and uh, corporate tech America is out to help the Democrats. And by the way, you should know while all of this is happening, um, the great Republican wave that appeared to be shaping up, the one that looked like 2010, is no more. And I have some thoughts on that related to this as the Democrats really try to um, compete and suggest the wave is blown up. A a buddy of mine who is a uh, good pollster sent me some data I mentioned earlier. The average media polling bias benefits the Democrats by 12.8%. Let me just give you the data so you have it for yourself. In 2014, the average media poll bias uh, between uh, the polling and the election day had a 15 percentage point shift to the GOP. So, for example, let's take Georgia. In Georgia, the end of the day polling had Michelle Nunn up seven points, and the actual result was that David Perdue won by 7.9 points, which was a swing of 14.9 points. Go to Georgia in 2020. John Ossoff 
uh, got 6% of the vote in the media polling. David Perdue wound up uh, being ahead by 1.8% going into the runoff, which was a swing to the GOP of 7.8%. In Iowa, um, the Democrat Greenfield there was up by 12 in the average media poll, and Joni Ernst actually won by 6.6%, which meant the swing was 18.6%. Now, here's my theory at this time. You have Democrats uh, doing everything they can to get a competitive edge on Republicans. Their friends in Silicon Valley have clearly helped them with data at Snapchat and the like. They're doing everything they can to steer a narrative in their way. The entire media is telling the world the Republican wave is gone. But go back to 2020 and what actually happened. In 2020, Democrats were sharing their data with the media. Republicans really weren't, but Republicans also had some screwed up polls too and don't want to admit it. But there was a massive wave of data. And that massive wave of data showed a Democratic wave building around the country. And the Democratic wave was so pronounced in all of the polling, no one saw the Republican counter wave, which kind of neutralized the Democratic wave. The Republicans came within five seats of taking the House. They tied the Democrats for the Senate. It was only Republicans in Georgia who talked themselves out of voting that cost the GOP the Senate. They almost held the Senate. Republicans picked up some state legislatures they weren't expected to pick up. They held state legislatures they were expected to lose. They did really well. Other than Donald Trump losing, the Republicans did pretty good. So what if we're back to that in 2022? There won't be a 2010-sized Republican wave now. The Democrats found traction on abortion. Frankly, the Dobbs decision, the GOP allowed some of the loudest fringe voices to go out and suggest that uh, people needed to be rounded up and um, jailed if they had abortions. You've had the Democrats tag team with the media to scare women across America about abortion. I mean, the polling itself from uh, WPA intelligence shows that a majority of Democrats in this country believe the Dobbs decision banned abortion when it didn't. So I do think now I was wrong and that the Dobbs decision actually has to some degree helped the Democrats. But if you're a Republican, would you rather have the senator have an end to Roe v. Wade? I would rather have an end to Roe v. Wade. I don't think the GOP will care. But, but, but what if there is still a Republican wave? The Democratic wave is manifest at these times in areas of high progressive concentration. So Republicans, if you recall just six months ago, Republicans were openly boasting that the wave could be so big they could win in seats that went for Joe Biden by 10 points. What if they can't do that anymore? I don't think that they can looking at the data right now. Even as the public polling is wrong, the trend lines do tend to still hold up. So though there are Democrats are overinflated, if you see the Democrats trending down across polls, you know the Democrats are trending down. If you see the Democrats trending up, you know the Democrats are trending up, even if the overall number is wrong. But what if, just like in 2020, we're not seeing a Republican wave because it's hidden now in the polling data? that in the swing districts, in the Biden plus three seats or the Trump plus one seats, there will be a Republican surge. And the media can't pick it up. The media polling tends to skew to the Democrats. The media talking points and the media bubble tend to skew to the Democratic talking points. 
All of this is to say, I still think the Republicans take back the House. And by the way, everyone in Washington, despite some of the public boasting from the Democrats right now, everyone in Washington is largely reconciled to the fact that Republicans will take the House of Representatives. In fact, Anthony Fauci is quitting by the end of the year because he doesn't want to be around for a Republican-controlled Congress. And he, too, does believe that's the case. It's the Senate that people have questions about. 538, the political prognosticators uh, believe that the Democrats now have a 70% chance of controlling the Senate. I don't really think that's the case. I think Herschel Walker wins in Georgia. I think Adam Laxalt wins in Nevada. Even if Dr. Oz loses in Pennsylvania. If everything else goes for the GOP, the GOP picks up the Senate by one. I just don't think that it is as uh, dire as a lot of people seem to think it is. Joe Biden's uh, public opinion polling, he's down by 12. He's at 42.5%. Reuters has him at uh, 39% right now. The Economist, which has been pretty favorable to the Democrats, only has him at 43%. If you look at the polling average for the congressional generic ballot today, it's Democrats up 0.4 after an Economist YouGov poll has them up 6. That's still not very good because that's of registered voters, not of likely voters. All of this is to say the Democrats are playing for keeps. I don't know that the Republicans are fighting as hard as they could because they took it for granted six months ago that there was going to be a wave. They did a bad job with some of their candidates. Frankly, some of the Republican candidates are clunkers from Blake Masters to Dr. Oz. But I still think they can win. And I personally think it'd be hilarious, given the quality of some of the Republican candidates, if they actually do win. And they have a very good chance of winning. So I don't know that Democrats need to be packing themselves on the back, but I do think Republicans for the next two months need to find and stay on a message about crime, education, and the economy. And by the way, if you want to help do something extra for the GOP, you could take your business to Patriot Mobile because they have a great win-loss record in this country. 11 out of 11 races they've played in, they've won. And they take a portion of their profits and they actually help the conservative movement. They take a portion of their profits and they give to the pro-life cause, the Second Amendment cause. They fund school board races for conservatives around the country. You can reach out to Patriot Mobile at patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Take your business to them. You get free activation with my name, patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. If you call them, by the way, it's 100% U.S.-based customer service. You're not calling Mumbai. You're calling somebody in the U.S., they can help you switch over. You can take your existing phone number and move it to Patriot Mobile, or you can get a brand new phone number from them if you want. All you do, patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. A portion of their profits goes to the conservative movement, so you're amplifying your fight for the cause by helping them get better at fighting for the cause. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Outside 10 Downing Street in London, the British Prime Minister speaking. We are all devastated by the news that we have just heard from Balmoral. The death of Her Majesty the Queen is a huge shock to the nation and to the world. Queen Elizabeth II was the rock on which modern Britain was built. Our country has grown and flourished under her reign. Britain is the great country it is today because of her. She ascended the throne just after the Second World War 
she championed the development of the Commonwealth from a small group of seven countries to a family of 56 nations spanning every continent of the world. We are now a modern, thriving, dynamic nation. Through thick and thin, Queen Elizabeth II provided us with the stability and the strength that we needed. She was the very spirit of Great Britain, and that spirit will endure. She has been our longest ever reigning monarch. It's an extraordinary achievement to have presided with such dignity and grace for 70 years. That was uh, British Prime Minister Liz Truss paying her respects to the Queen. It is official now from Clarence House. Um, the King of England will now be known as Charles III. Uh, his son now officially the Duke of Cornwall, um, Prince William. So uh, the Duke of Cornwall is a duchy. Um, it's a funny story about um, it was a, the, the Duke of Edinburgh one time uh, was talking to a group of hikers who had been to the Skelly Islands. Uh, and they asked him if he knew where it was. He says, yes, my son owns them. Um, it's, a, it's land to the southwest of the U.K., uh, south of Wales, and the Duchy of Cornwall owns them. The Duchy of Cornwall was set up uh, eons ago for the um, the heir in waiting to have property to manage, to have something to do to stay to the hair of the king. And uh, upon the death of the monarch, um, the monarch, the new king becomes the Duchy, the Duke of Lancaster, in addition to the king, and his son or daughter becomes the Duke or Duchess of Cornwall and takes over that land. So uh, power transfers upon death. It all happens. And now for the next nine days, the British people will prepare for a funeral that will happen in nine days and be covered globally. Um, this has not been seen in 70 years in Great Britain. So I'm Eric Erickson. It's my show. We have been interrupted so much today by this news happening in Great Britain, this historic moment, uh, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. No person under 70 has known another crown of England until right now today with Charles III. Prayers for him.